We've been talking about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks in the ground floor, minus last week where we had awesome, awesome guest speakers. Uh, yes, we had, it was a student-led service. Our students just did a phenomenal job. But as we're, we're going to finish off talking about the Holy Spirit today, um, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, the promise that Jesus said would come, that he said you'd receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, he brings gifts, um, and there's a lot of different gifts that the Holy Spirit brings there's a special trip me thing right there. Um, I'm hearing power, boldness, helps, teaches, reminds, guides. The list goes on. But there's nine gifts that are often referred to as the gifts of the Spirit that we've been focusing on. And we've got two of them left to go. But I want to define the gifts of the Spirit in a broader context like this. The gifts of the Spirit are when the Holy Spirit, the helper, is helping you go beyond your own strength to see God's will accomplished. So when God is, when the Holy Spirit empowers you to go beyond your own strength to see God's will accomplished, it is a gift from the Spirit. And there's a bunch more that we could get into, but 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, contains the nine that we've been focusing on. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gift of faith, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and today we'll go over the working of miracles and the gift of healing. Um, But in verse 7, There's a very, very important statement. It says that these are all for the common good. That the gifts of the Spirit are never about you. This is not about, check me out, I'm awesome. I got the gift of healing. What gift did you get? My gift's better than your gift. Like this is never a check me out, check out how amazing I am, but an opportunity to see God's will done in and through you. This is God enabling you to go beyond your own capacity to see his will done. I was talking to someone I actually got a call this week, and they're like, hey, I got a gifts question for you. I'm like, all right, what's up? He goes, well, I really think that God's, you know, given me the gift of prophecy. What do I do with it? Like, how do I develop it? And I'm like, sweet, great question. How do you develop a muscle? You, You work out. I go, what does a workout look like? Is it like scoop and bite and scoop and bite? Like, is a chip-dip workout going to do much for you? It's like it's going to grow you in all the wrong places. Um, it's, it, it's not, you go, well, why is the chip-dip workout not going to grow your muscles with the dip and bite? Because this doesn't have much resistance. There's not much stretching and using of the muscle. Therefore, it doesn't grow it. But when I, or when you, you like replace the chip with a dumbbell, probably don't bite it, that'd be hard in your teeth. But as you lift a lot of weight and there's resistance, as you, you work that muscle, the muscle strengthens and grows. So if you want to grow in a gift, use what you have. So, all right. I say, well, what does that look like? I said, well, you start out, you ask God, God, is there anyone that you have, that you want me to have a word for? Is there anything, anybody that you want to say something to? And if God gives you something, go with it. If he tells you that, hey, there's somebody over here who just needs to know that I love him. All right, tell him, hey, did you just know that God loves you? Um, or you can go through and sometimes he may say something and don't stand on a pedestal and go, hey, guess what? I've got the gift of prophecy and thus saith the Lord. Walk up and let him go, hey, I'm working on hearing God's voice. I was praying and I just felt, you know, let me know if this, you know, feels right, like it's right on or if it was just pizza they ate yesterday. Um, give them a chance to, and you'll find out that sometimes 
You're like, they look at you and you, they'll go, how did you know? And other times they'll look at you and go, it was pizza. <laughs> it's okay. And, uh, but getting a chance so that you can be, um, that you can grow and that you can be strengthened, that you can recognize, oh, you know what? I had to go. That was, that was just me. That was just, that was not God. I, that was. You know what? It seemed weird, but I, I, I shared it. I said, you know what? Hey, I just felt like when I was praying that this is what God said. Um, take it or leave it. I may be right, may be wrong, but this is just as I was praying, as I'm working. And, and begin to step out in what you have. The last, or as two weeks ago, we were talking about the gift of faith. And we discovered that all of us have faith, but there's still a gift of faith. And so what's the difference? The gift of faith kicks into operation when your faith has reached its end. When you step out in all that you have, it allows you to go beyond that. And most of the, um, the two gifts that we're going to talk about today, both the working of miracles and the gift of healing, work in a similar fashion. If you do not use what you have as authority as a believer, you will never step into play with the gift of miracles or the gift of healing. As you begin to stretch out and reach the end of your own capacity, they are what take you beyond the simple and natural into um, all that God has for us. The gift or the working of miracles, I'm going to define this way, as a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. Uh, Clint made the comment, he said, looking at the difference between the gifts um, and the normal operation of a believer, he said, people not filled with the Spirit have prayed for the sick and seen them healed. But I've never seen someone with a healing ministry that wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. And he actually mentioned, and we'll get into this more, that, um, that a lot of times he prays for people just because he's a believer and goes, you know what? I'm praying because the Bible says that by his stripes you're healed. And therefore I'm going to lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I'm going to stand on that and I'm going to pray and sees people healed. And sometimes he says that he does this operating in the gift of healing. But that as believers, that we are called to do both. To do both. Um, <clears throat> the working of miracles, I was, I was trying to define it and go, right, what would that look like? So I looked back at my New Testament. I was like, all right, well, what would some of these be? Uh, and I thought about a story that a lot of you guys heard in, in Sunday school if, if you grew up in church. If you didn't grow up in church, you didn't hear it because you weren't there. But uh, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus is preaching, and he's got this crowd that keeps following him. And eventually the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, that's a lot of people. They're getting hungry. You should send them away so they can go find food. And it probably was code for, hey, we're getting hungry. Come feed us. But um, so he's like, Yo, hey, send them away so they can find some food. And Jesus goes, you feed them. And he looks back at Jesus and is like, um, there's like 5,000 of them. 300 days wages would barely give everybody a bite. Besides that, where am I to get that much bread? And Jesus goes, well, what do you have? And they, they look around, he comes back, and you can find this in John chapter 6, verse 9. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And we think of barley, we think of loaves. We think of a loaf of bread, we think about something about like this, right? Those were probably about like this it'd probably be better translated like five rolls. 
because one boy was planning on eating them. How many of you guys just sit down with an entire loaf of bread and just scarf the whole thing down by yourself in one sitting? Like one guy, how about five? Like he, he, I don't think he was planning on eating five standard loaves of bread, but he had, um, and most of the time, a lot of times they would, they would do smaller loaves. So he's got five loaves of bread and two fish. And so he brings them to Jesus and like, Jesus, you can have my lunch. And you're like, awesome. Little kids can be just awesome. I have two little guys. They are awesome. And the time, sometimes they're really selfish. It's crazy. But then sometimes they just share with like the greatest love and care. And you're like, what are you going to eat? You can have my, and you're just like, you guys are just awesome. I just picture this little boy coming up and he's got food because his mama took care of him. All the other guys are like, hey, I just followed Jesus. Oh man, I should have brought food. But little boy, his mama took care of him. So he's got, he's got food, brings it to Jesus. And Jesus turns to the disciples and goes, okay, sit everybody down, groups of 50. Why? I'm going to feed them. How? Sit them down. They sit down. You don't argue with Jesus. Jesus tells you to do weird things. You just go, yes, Jesus. Um, he's smarter than you. Loves you and wants the best for you. So he goes through. He prays for the food, hands it to the disciples, and says, all right, pass it out. And at this point, like, I, I really wonder. I wish I could see the miracle happen and go, where did it happen? Did it happen like Jesus was praying and he broke it and like all of a sudden it just kept growing? Did it, did it grow when the disciples got a hold of it? Did it grow when they went to pass it out? Did it? I don't know how exactly it worked. All that I know is when he started, he had five loaves and two fish. Then they took it out and they fed 5,000 people until everybody was full. Actually, it says 5,000 men. Okay, that's a lot of food. Plus any of the women and children that were there. So this is a massive, massive crowd. And, and, And I got thinking about this and he goes through and he does this. And then at the end, he says something weird. Hey, go pick up the baskets of leftovers. Leftovers? One boy's lunch, 5,000 people. Even if you like supernaturally made everybody full, like <clears throat> the only way you're going to have leftovers is if everybody smelt the bread. Like pass it around. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Like that's the only way you're going to have leftovers with that kind of thing. But when he says, go pick up the leftovers. They go, and it says, um, they, this is verse 13. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Do, do any of you guys try to bring in all the groceries at the same time? I'm not the only weird one. Love you guys. All right, so it doesn't even make sense. A lot of times it would be less work to take two trips in, but we sit here, and there's some messed up part in my brain, and a few of you guys confess to being like me, that... You're like, I got to see if I can do it. So you're like, you're grabbing this and trying not to squish the bread at the same time if you've got bread in one of the bags. But you're like, like sticking your hand through them. So you got like four over here. Then you can like get like five with your hand and you stick it over here. And you're like, all right, I got all this. And then you look at the car door and you're, like, mm. and you're hoping it's a side door so you can do the butt shut, you know. And then uh, if it's the back gate, then it's, you're in a pickle. You're like, mm. Yeah, anyways, that's fun. But you're, you're trying to carry it all in. But this is the point. You get all that in, how much can you carry? Even if we were to say those were giant loaves of bread, how much could you carry? How big of five loaves of bread would they have to be to feed 5,000 people? Have you ever seen the pizza man come to your school? Has that ever happened at your school? Some of you guys are like, oh, bummer. You ever seen the pizza man come to the ground floor? All right, a couple of you guys are like, yeah. 
If not, you don't come to enough events. We had school spirit night. We fed everybody pizza. It was great. That guy was taking trips back and forth and back and forth to his car to feed 120 high schoolers. And you like set a pizza in front of them and they go, I looked at it and you're where'd it go? I, I, I don't know. I looked at the pizza and it was gone. Um, like, you are a high schooler boy. And the girl's like, I had a bite. Thank you. You're like, what? Anyways, um, love you and love you that eat and those that don't. We still love you. But it's fun, but you just watch and you watch how he's got to take a bunch of trips of food just to feed the ground floor. This little boy was carrying enough and it fed everybody. And I sense he didn't walk out there with 12 baskets. Like, how do you hold 12 baskets? Is it like the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Like, um, like, that doesn't, like, how is he doing, does he have, like, there's no way that he was carrying that much. When they got done, they had more than when he started. Mathematically, take five loaves, two fish, take out enough food for 5,000 people, you already have a problem, and then equals 12 baskets of leftovers. <laughs> Mathematically, that is a very flawed equation. <laughs> but when Jesus stepped out, this is what happened. When Jesus was on a boat, there was a storm, and everyone freaks out. And rather than going, oh no, what are we going to do? Jesus just turns. He says, he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. This is Mark 4, 39. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. First off, that's crazy. Secondly, his response wasn't, didn't you know I'm epic and I could do this? Why were you so afraid? Where is your faith? In John 14, 12, he says, um, that those that believe in him will do what he's been doing and greater things than these. He seemed surprised that their faith was in the storm. As we look at the working of miracles, this stretching out, this God intervening supernaturally into the events of our day-to-day, -day, when storms came against him, he rebuked the storm. When he needed to get to the other side of a lake because God had called him to go to the other side to minister and he'd stepped aside to do some stuff to pray. In Mark, or Mark Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the, of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. How many of you guys walk on water? Okay, yeah. So I, I was looking at this, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I got to be going about 40 miles an hour in order for that to work. Like, I can't slow speed walk on water. I tried it once. I sunk. It just didn't go that well. But as I, was, as I was looking at these, I realized that for most of us, the reason we've seen none of them is because we've tried none of them. The reason that we don't see things is because we don't step out. And I, and I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago about this, and one of the students told me that, like, hey, they heard this, 
as we were beginning to share about our authority and they'd been at the beach when the weather began to turn and they're like, wait a second, I have authority. I am to step out and rebuked the storm and it stopped. They rebuked the weather and it stopped. And you go, well, why haven't I seen that? Well, have you stepped up and tried? I was talking to Jeff, one of our leaders at the first service, after service, and he said that he was out with his, his daughter who's about three or four years old now. And they, she wanted to play on the water and a storm was rolling in. And he went back with her and said, do you remember your Sunday school class? Do you remember what Jesus did? Jesus said that we can do that. Do you want to do that? Yes, I do. All right, put your hand up and rebuke the storm. And so she put her little hand up and rebuked the storm and nothing happened. So she said, well, let's try it again. Put her hand, little hand up, rebuked the storm and it stopped. And it was sunny for the rest of the day. And you go, so often we don't see because we don't do. And, and there are times and there are things that you don't see for your own amusement. I, as a fact, actually, I was talking to that student, and he asked about the walking on water, um, and I, I tried it, and I sunk. But uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit are when the helper is helping you go beyond your own ability to see God's will come to pass. The gift of healing. First off, this brings up a lot of questions. I've had a lot of people come up to me with this one and go, well, if there's a gift of healing, does that mean all of us who don't have the gift can't see people healed? Doesn't it imply that that's something special for somebody else? And I read that quote from Clint where he said that um, sometimes he steps out simply in faith based on God's word. And sometimes he says that he's operating in the gift. He's actually, the retreat that we've got coming up on the 24th to 26th, Clint is gonna be there and he's gonna be speaking and we're gonna see awesome things happen as he moves heavily in the gift. So we'll see people's legs um, leveled out, grown out. We'll see backs healed. We'll see all sorts of different healing, people set free from things. We're gonna see people stepping out and beginning to operate in their, it's gonna be awesome. Um, if you haven't signed up, sign up until the spots are full and then too bad for everyone who waited too long. We love you. We miss you. Have a good day. Um, but the gift of healing, you got to understand that Jesus called us all and said that these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. So you go, if Jesus already called all of us, all of us are supposed to pray for the sick. In Mark chapter 16, verse 18, he goes through and says, these signs will follow those who believe in me. Um, he lists them at the last one. He said, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. A lot of times we watch Jesus pray and we watched things happen instantly. Um, there, there's one time he's in, he's in the synagogue and there's a guy with a shriveled hand. So his hand's just kind of like all, I don't know, so shriveled hand, I picture this. Like I picture his hand just like all like knotted up, permanently locked in place kind of deal. And they're giving Jesus a hard time going, hey, you can't heal. It's the Sabbath. Healing is work. And Jesus just looks back at them and goes, hey, look, if your sheep falls into a hole, you pick it up. Well, yeah, you, know, you can't leave it there. He's like, this guy's worth more than the sheep. He's one of God's children. So is it right to do good or bad on the Sabbath? And they're like, oh. And he looks at the guy and goes, stretch out your hand. And this is how long it took to see the healing. That's awesome. 
And I, and I got thinking about this because I would greatly prefer to always see somebody healed instantaneously right in front of my eyes. But Mark 16 said they shall recover. Recovery is a process. Is it not God if it takes a moment? It's still God. And I, and I got thinking about this, and, I, and I've thought about some of the different times that I've prayed for people. Because I've prayed for people and had them be healed on the spot. I've had people go, you, know, you pray for them, and they're like, hey, my arm, I can move it, it doesn't hurt, it's not popping, it's better. My neck, my back. I've had different people just instantly healed. I've also had it, I'm mean, thinking about Johnny. Um, he, he was in my small group for a while, and then he went and graduated. Oh, but we love Johnny. But he had a problem, I'm trying to remember if it was his hip or his knee. But it had been an ongoing problem for a very long time. And he was complaining about it. I was, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, whatever, sure. So I prayed for him. And he's like, cool. A week or two weeks later, he comes back to me. He goes, you guess what? I'm like, what? Do you remember when you prayed for me? Yeah. It's better. He's like, you don't understand. It's been bothering me for years. It's better. So something that was ongoing that seemed to have no change in sight I prayed, and within a week, it was better. Is that instant? No. Is that divine? Absolutely. Had I not prayed, what had happened for the last few years would have continued to happen. And most likely, slowly gotten worse. Because that's just kind of the nature of things, of injuries that last for years. But as I stepped out, God used me. And so often, we want to see the great, but so often we don't do anything because we're afraid we don't have the great. And so we look at people and go, well, I don't know what would happen if I was to pray. Something might not happen, therefore I do nothing. And one of the things that we have to understand about these gifts is these gifts come into play when we give out everything that we have, when we still operate in the authority and the faith that God's given us, it's when God takes us beyond that, when the Holy Spirit, the helper, helps us go beyond our own ability to see God's will done. Because we, we, we get a clear picture of what God's will is in Revelation, sorry, I'm like going through my page and through my Bible. It's like Revelation chapter 20 verses, or 20 or 21, 21 verses 3 and 4. And we, we go through it and it sits here and tells you that in heaven, in the new earth, this is what God's plan is. That there'll be no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more death. And he says, this is my will. And you go, well, what's happening right now? Well, there's people that are hurting, there's people that are sick. And he goes, well, that's my will. Jesus tells us, pray, my will, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because he wants that to come into this place. And anytime we see things that are different than that, that is what God wants to see. When Jesus went around healing people, it wasn't this, hey, check this out. This is my God card. I'm awesome. Worship me. Because a lot of times when he would heal people, he would look at them and say, don't tell anybody. If this is about getting attention, that's not what you say. You say, go tell everybody. So why? 
Why would you heal them if you didn't want them to spread the news that you healed them? And he tell, in fact, the Bible tells us that he saw them and he had compassion on them. Eight times you'll find in the Gospels where it, Jesus comes and he says, and he saw them and had compassion on them. He saw them and he hurt for them because they were hurting and broken. And because God's will is that there would be no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more death. And he goes, what God's will is is over here and what they're experiencing is over here. And so it's my job. As a believer, as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes, I want to see, he was Jesus Christ, but he goes, I want to see that come to place today. So he began to stretch out and to pray, and he operated in the gifts of the Spirit to go beyond what he could do as a man to see those things come to pass. And then he says that those who believe in him will do what he was doing, and greater things than these shall they do. Therefore, what we are supposed to do is look and go, that's what God's will is. This is what's happening right now. And it's my job to let God's light shine through me to be a vessel that God can work through to see God's will begin to come to pass in my world. Regardless of whether that's walking up to somebody and going, hey, I have a, you know, and recognizing, hey, God needs to speak to them. And walking up going, did you know that God loves you? Did you know that God has a plan for you? Did you know that it's going to be okay? Did you know, you know that God forgave you once and for all? Did you know, and being able to just step out and go, hey, I'm going to trust that God's going to speak through me because God gave me a word for them or to step up and go, all right, you're sick. I'm going to pray for you. And, if you, and, and not worry going, all right, what if nothing happens? Who cares if nothing happens? My job is to pray. It's God's job to heal and to step out. And when I begin to step out beyond all that I can do, that's when God's that's when the gifts of the Spirit, that's when the Holy Spirit takes over and takes it beyond what you can do to see God's will come to pass in our lives and through our lives in the world that we live in today. And this is our opportunity to step out to see God's will done. But I believe that the reason that most of us don't is because we're afraid. And we don't think about it. We don't sit around at home and shake. We just go, well, what if nothing happens? What if they think I'm weird? What if I said the wrong thing? What if I don't do it right? All of these, these gifts take you when you've stretched and said, God, use me, and it takes you further than you can reach. But if you refuse to reach out, you'll never see them come into play. Most believers have their hands in their pockets and do nothing and wonder why Nothing happens. But if we'll pray and go, all right, God, here I am. Use me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me be a vessel that you can work through. And I will stretch out in faith in your word and let you do what I can't. That's when we begin to see the gift of miracles, the gift of healing. And we're going to, I want to create an opportunity for those of you guys that are nervous because at school it's still awkward. So I'm going to take out the awkward and make, blame all the awkward on me. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have a chance to pray for someone in here. And rather than feeling awkward, like what are they going to think when I ask them to pray? They're going to have just heard me tell you to pray for them so they're no awkward. It's all on me. Um, I got a blast. All the awkwardness is Pastor Daniel. Great. Marvelous. I can handle that. And you're going to pray for them because as we begin to stretch out in faith in what God's promised, that's when we begin to see the supernatural take place. But before we do, I want to give a chance for anyone who doesn't know God, who wants to know Jesus, who says, you know what? I want to know the God that loves me and has that plan for me, that God that wants to see 
that, that created heaven, that's will is that there'd be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. I want to have a right relationship with him. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. If that's you, I want to give you a chance to be a believer before we step out as believers and pray for the person beside us. So can I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes? If that's you, say, you know what? Today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Then I'm going to ask you, when I say three, to raise your hand. As we take Jesus up on his offer. Get ready. One. Two. This is your chance. Three. Raise your hands up nice and high. So that's me. I see your hand. I see your hand. Who else is that's me? Awesome. You can put your hands down. This is the most important decision that anybody ever makes. Jesus made it clear that if we called on his name, we would be saved. So we're going to do that. We're going to call on his name. We're going to declare him to be Lord. And thank God for the forgiveness that he offers. So if you raised your hand or if you've done this before, go ahead and join us as we call on God's name. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.